You're listening to sermons from Crossroads Community Church. You can find out more information about Crossroads by visiting our website at crossroads.cc or by visiting us on Sunday mornings at 1420 Lakeside Drive in Yorktown, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Just a couple quick things uh, before we jump in. Uh, Next weekend, you're going to want to be a part of uh, that with us. Uh, If you've not been to Nicaragua and if you've not met anybody in Nicaragua, uh, you guys will be able to meet um, Abner Morales, who who lives in Nicaragua and who's on CCM staff and who is currently the pastor of uh, the church in Carlos Fonseca. He will be here with us next weekend. Uh, So we're super excited about that. So please join us for that. We'll also have our uh, mission trip interest meeting. We have two trips in uh, 2024. So if you're interested in hearing about those trips to Nicaragua, uh, we'll have that meeting right after the 11 o'clock service. It'll be very brief right over here in the, in the corner over here. And you'll hear more about what that trip looks like, those trips look like. Uh, the first one in April is a medical trip. So if you have uh, medical experience, your own medical personnel, we'd love for you to go with us on that trip. It's, ta- it's tapped out at 12, and I think we have six so far, so uh, join us for that. And then the one that's in August is up to 40 people, so that's more ministry-related. It's uh, construction ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, kids' ministry. Uh, so come and join us for that, but make sure you're a part of that with us. We're also going to celebrate baptism next weekend. Uh, very cool. We've had several people come to us since our last baptism that said they're ready to take that step, so we threw it together, and we're going to do baptism next weekend as well. So if you're ready to take that step or you've been thinking about it, uh, let us know today by filling out the form on our app or website. You can jump in with us. And then last, uh, you heard about the men's retreat there from Hunter. Uh, so we're having a stay treat for the men here at Crossroads in November, and we'd love for you to be a part of that with us, men. Join us for that. And uh, we've had some incredible, incredible, uh, incredibly generous donors who have given to this so that men can come at no cost. And they, they did that because they want you to sign up and they want you to be a part of it with us. So if you sign up, then you need to show up because someone paid for you to be there. So sign up and be a part of it with us in November, okay? You can do that on the Apple website as well. All right. Um, well, we have been on quite a journey through the book of Revelation in our series, Happily Ever After, and we're going to finish it today in Revelation 21 and 22. So if you've got your Bible, you can look at that with me. Uh, we've called this series Happily Ever After because it, it has, Revelation, the book of Revelation has a fairy tale type feel. There's a damsel in distress, which is us. It's the church. We are waiting to be rescued. We need to be rescued. There's a hero who is Jesus, the, the lion and the lamb. Um, there's a, a wedding, which we talked about last week. There's a dragon, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago. You can go back and listen to all these things. And today we finally get to the end of the book, and we are at the happily ever after. You guys excited about that? All right. So let's do our memory verse first, uh, Revelation 21.4. You should know it by now. You can say it with me. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Revelation 21.4. And we've been praying together as a church as well. Lord, come now and make all things right. Have you been praying that? Lord, come now and make all things right. So, believe it or not, it's almost that time of year again for the dreaded and loved Hallmark Christmas movies. Anybody like Hallmark Christmas movies? 
they just keep coming at you. Uh, happily ever after, Hallmark Christmas movies streaming constantly around this time of year. Uh, you know the story. It's the story of a young woman played by an actress that you have almost forgotten about. And she's playing a beautiful businesswoman named Sarah. Her soulmate and husband had passed away just five years earlier, leaving her as a widowed wife with two small children. She hustled and worked in the city to provide for her two children and uh, had become a very successful but overly worked and overly stressed CEO of a growing Fortune 500 company. She's engaged to a coworker now who is just as successful, amazingly good-looking, has great muscles and perfect hair. But he's a little mysterious and a little shady and a little too slick. You know what I mean? One December near Christmas, Sarah was on a business trip when her convertible breaks down in the countryside of Wyoming. And she finds herself stranded and frustrated as she sought out the nearest farmhouse, which happened to be owned by a handsome rancher named Jack. And Jack is a rugged guy who spent his days tending to the animals and nurturing the land where he found joy in the rhythm of nature and the beauty of the countryside. She ends up staying a couple days while he fixes her car, and Sarah discovers the tranquility of the farm life and the genuine kindness of Jack and the people of the countryside. And Jack is so drawn to Sarah's intelligence and her ambition and her city girl mentality. Well, as expected, the truth finally comes out about the fiancé back in the city, and it begins to be revealed, and his true colors come out, and Sarah wisely calls it off with slick and shady, the slick and shady fiancé, and continues to visit Jack, this very kind rancher. Well, that Christmas... She brings her kids to Jack's farm to let them have a country Christmas where the kids just love the horses and the fields and, oh, it snows. It snows. And they are out on an evening walk together and the snowflakes are falling on their head and they have their first kiss there. It was beautiful. And they fall in love and they join their lives together on the ranch as you would expect and they live happily ever after. I made that story up, by the way, this week. Uh, I think I could probably write Hallmark Christmas movies. That sounded really good. Um, <laughs> isn't that how they all end? Isn't that how they all go? And we watch them anyway. We know how it's going to end, but yet we still continue to watch it. And we get to the end because we love these fairy tale type stories. And when we get to the end of the story or the end of the movie or the end of the book and it says, and they all lived happily ever after, we close the book and we're so happy, you know. It's, but then we realize, or I think we realize, or I hope we realize, that it's just a statement, right? It's just a statement. They all lived happily ever after, but did they really actually live happily ever after? Because it's actually the shortest part of the story. It's the best part of the story, but it seems to be the shortest part of the story. And then the truth becomes a reality, and we close the book, or we turn off the movie, and then we go back to the reality of our lives, the daily struggles, the hard times, the, the moments in our lives that don't really feel like a happily ever after or a fairy tale. There's pain and loss and grief and struggle and hurt and worry and anxiety. Anybody know what I mean? 
and you walk back into it. For a moment, we thought, right, that our lives might look like that, that we might have this fairy tale, happily ever after type life, but then reality tends to hit us square in the face, and we wonder what happened with us, right? What happened with us? Well, I love Revelation 21 and 22 because it it shares with us, it tells us, it confirms with us that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that your, your, your life, at the end of your life, you will have a forever, for real, ultimate, happily ever after. And we can count on that, and we can know it, and we can have that truth in our hearts and our minds as we walk through this life that we live now. And we have a lot to look forward to. So that's what I want to show you today in these two chapters. What do we have to look forward to? What is this happily ever after actually going to look like for us? And thankfully, it's not the shortest part of our lives. It will be the longest part of our lives. I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to share with you what it's going to look like. You guys ready to hear about it? I hope that it encourages you today. No matter what you're going through today, I hope this encourages you that you have a future. All right, the first thing that we see or that we can look forward to is that we have a, we're going to have a new home. We're going to have a new home. Revelation 21, starting in verse 1, says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. We're going to have a new home. And I, I love being home. Anybody else love being home? I know some of you are really go-out people, but I, I like to be home. I'm good at being home. I, I'm great at it. In fact, I saw a meme this week that said, uh, people who say go big or go home seriously underestimate my willingness to go home. <laughs> like it is, it is what I literally want to do. It is my goal. I love home. I love to curl up with a blanket. I love to get a bowl of ice cream. I love to watch a football game. I love to spend time with my wife. I love to work in the yard. I'm good with home. Anybody else? I'm good with home. But this home that we experience now is not home. It is our temporary home. John says, I see a new heaven and a new earth. He says, I, see the, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Wow, don't miss this. It's God coming to us. It's not us being zapped up to heaven individually. It's heaven coming to earth. He says there's this new heaven and this new earth. Notice that it's new. It's new. So it's wonderfully, I think it's going to be wonderfully familiar because it's this earth, but it's this earth new. So it's going to be wonderfully familiar and wonderfully new all in the same way. In fact, this might surprise you when I say that, but it is this earth made new. It's not like God throws everything out. He's going to renew everything, renew everything, and there will be nothing left on this earth that's affected by the sin of Adam and Eve in Genesis. Doesn't that sound good? All of the best things of this earth will be way better way better, and all of the things of this earth that stink and are horrible and suck, honestly, will not be present any longer. 
The best moments of this life really are only this kind of small, a small taste of what the new heaven and the new earth will be like, only shadows of what it will be. Think of this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what you're experiencing on this earth right now will be the worst it will ever be. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, what you're experiencing on this earth right now will be the best that it will ever be. And he says in here, he says, I, I see a, a holy city, the new Jerusalem. He recognizes Jerusalem, but it was new, and it's coming down out of heaven from God. Notice again, heaven coming down to earth. But what makes this home better than any other home that you've ever experienced is this. Look, verse 3, it says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. What could be better than that? Gosh, what could be better than that? Living in God's presence all day and all night. God's dwelling with us and us dwelling with him. Verse 4 says, Then they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever endeavor. We will see the face of God. We will see the face of God. That's very intimate, right? It's very intimate. I, I, you know, maybe you're more of a text person or a phone call person, but isn't there something special about sitting face to face with somebody? To see the face of your, your children if you haven't seen them in a while. Maybe they live somewhere else in the country and they come home. Have you ever seen videos where you just like they surprise the mother and the daughter's there for some party, you know, to see, your, to see your child face-to-face or your spouse or your mom or your dad. Some of you, don't you long, some of you that have lost your mom and dad, don't you long to just see their face? Or your sweet grandparents, to be able to see their face, to be face-to-face with them. There's something intimate about being face-to-face Again, you can talk on the phone, you can text, but to sit face-to-face, that's relational, that's special. And it says that his name will be on our foreheads because we belong to him. We are his, and we are in his presence always. We don't need the sun anymore. God is our light, and he will reign. It says we will reign with him forever and ever and ever. What is that? What does that mean? We will reign with him forever and ever and ever. What in the world does that mean? Because I don't know. Sometimes I'd like to rule and reign. I'll get the whip out, right? And some of you are like, yeah, I like, to, I like to be the one in charge, to rule and to reign. I'll get the whip out and do that, you know. But what does it mean here when it says we will reign with him forever and ever and ever? Well, I think we have a kind of a jaded understanding of ruling and reigning because, by, you know, kind of frankly, most ruling and reigning that we experience is pretty corrupt, right? It's powerful people powering up on people, but that's not the way that Jesus ruled and reigned. We'll, we will reign like Jesus ruled and reigned. We will deny ourselves. We will, we will empower people. We will lift people up, and it's going to be incredible. Can you imagine working all day, ruling and reigning all day, but there's no competition. We're just building each other up and encouraging each other and helping each other. What an incredible place that will be. We will rule and reign like, like Adam and Eve were intended to rule and reign in the garden, but we're not able to do it. So don't miss this. This is our future life. This is our happily ever after. And I hope that you see it. I hope that you see it, that God literally moves heaven and earth 
to be with you and for you to be with him. And that's already in motion right now. He is right now moving heaven and earth to be with you, and so you'll be with him. He's moved into your life. He's moved into your neighborhood. He's moved into your family. He's moved into your relationships because he wants to have a relationship with you right now. And he's pursuing some of you right now because he's, he's moving in. He's bringing heaven to earth right now and trying to be close to you and have relationship with you. Some of you might be thinking, you know, like, I, I do believe that God loves us, like all of us, but I don't necessarily know if God loves me. In fact, I don't even know if God likes me. In fact, I think God might be irritated at me. <laughs> um, you might be thinking that, and I want you to know that when we read this, we see that it's not true because God is willing to move heaven and earth to be with you. That's how much he loves you. And so, this is what we have to look forward to, a new home. Doesn't that sound good? And then second, we have a new hope, a new hope. Let's continue in verse 4. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Have you cried this week? Have you been hurting this week? Have you been worried this week? Has your soul been in anguish this week? Have you been anxious this week? Are you hurting for somebody that you love this week because they're hurting and it hurts you because they're hurting? Listen to it again. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. No more death. No more mourning. No more crying. No more pain. He says, because all of these things, the old order of these things, or the former things, maybe your translation says, the former things has passed away. The former things will pass away. The former things will pass away. Do you realize that right now we are living in the former things? Right now, whatever's going on in your life, whatever is causing you to, to weep or to cry or to hurt, can you live with a, the reality that you are living in the former things and these former things will pass away? They will pass away. So when you live your life this week, as you live your life and as you struggle and as you cry and as you grieve and as you hurt, know that these things are just the former things. They will too pass away. He says, I, I am the one who is seated on the throne. I am making everything new, everything new. And then he says, these words are trustworthy and true. Then look, it says in verse 6, he said to me, it is done. It is done. We could stop right there. This is done. It's finished. Whatever it is right now that God has you all upset, it'll be done. 
He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. I mean, there's, there is hope in there, isn't it? That is some kind of hope. We, we can even practice, I don't know if you realize this, but we can practice that future hope right now through our loss and our pain on this earth. Because it's all temporary, Crossroads. It's all temporary. It's all the former things. One day it will be over, and one day everything will be made new. And when we understand that, we can understand that we can practice it now. Through our pain, through, the, through, the, through our tears, we can ex- express hope even now, and it gives us just a taste of heaven. We can trust God now in whatever's got you all upset, we can trust God now in those tears, and it gives us just a taste of heaven. I don't know if you've ever been around anybody that has just lived through a devastating hurt, devastating loss, and you've seen the hope of the Lord in them. Have you ever seen that before? Through their tears and the suck of everything that's going on in their life, you see this hope in them, and it gives you hope because it's just this taste of heaven for us. One day that hope will all be complete. One day it will all be complete. And the former things will pass away. And he will make everything new. And it will all be done. Does that give you hope today? It does for me too. And then third and last, there will be a new worship. New worship. It says in verse 10, it says, Any carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So he's talking here about this new city or this new home that shines with the glory of God, it says. It says the city has a great high wall, and it has 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. And there's three gates at the west and three gates at the east and at the north, three at the south. Who can enter the gates into the city, into the new heaven and new earth. Who can enter? Who can walk into the city? Well, let's see. It says in verse 14, it says, blessed are those who wash their robes. They may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Let me read that again. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. So blessed are those, it says, whose who wash their robes. Blessed are those who wash their robes. What does all of that mean? Well, just like last week, we talked about that as well. We, we go to heaven not because we're a good person or because mom and dad prayed us into heaven. We go to heaven or we walk into the city through the gates if our robe has been washed. That's what it's saying here. If our robe has been washed. We have the right to, the, to walk through the, through the gates into the city We have the rights to the the tree of life. If our robe is washed, and that absolutely means that we've allowed the very blood of Jesus Christ to wash our sins away and make us clean. 
We, we ask him to make us clean. We say to him, like, Jesus, I am, I am dirty. I am a sinner. I, I, I need you to come and wash me clean. I believe that you died for me. I deserved that death myself for everything that I've done, and you took my place. Thank you, Jesus. It's only by the blood that makes us clean, as we even sang this morning. You know, lots of good people will not be able to walk through the gates into the city because there's only one way. It's when Jesus makes us clean. So let him wash your dirty robe clean and live for him today. Can you imagine walking through those gates? Walking through those gates, worshiping the one who made you clean. Verse 15 says, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it was long. So here's the measurements of the city. It's measured with uh, a rod of gold, it says, and it's 12,000 stadia, which is 1,400 miles, which is the distance between New York and Houston, okay? Did you notice the measurements are actually, it says it's, it's um, you know, 1,400 miles or 12,000 stadia, and it's as high as it is long and wide and deep. Did you pick up on that? So it's like a perfect cube. It's a cube. So what would John have been thinking as he reads that? As he sees that, what would John have been thinking as that's being described as a perfect cube, as high as it is wide and long? He would have been thinking about the Holy of Holies, which is the only other cube, and we read about that in the Old Testament. And the Holy of Holies is 30 by 30 by 30 by 30. It's a cube. The Holy of Holies, that's where, uh, when, they would, when they had the tabernacle, or where they would move the tabernacle, in the very center of that was the Holy of Holies. And in the very center of that is where they put the Ark of the Covenant, which was the very presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of God. And so what is this saying to us is that we will be living, the, the new city is the Holy of Holies. We will be living in the presence of God all the time. Doesn't that sound amazing? And worshiping Him all the time, all the time. It says in verse 22, it says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. There's no need for any temple because God Almighty is the temple. The Lamb that was slain is the temple, and we will worship there. Verse 24 says, The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The nations, it says, will enter the gates. All those whose robes are washed clean, all people from all different nations will enter the gates, from America to Israel to Nicaragua to Japan to Iraq. All of those people will gather together, all nations, not nations joining together to worship God. Isn't that incredible? There will be no sin, it says. No sin. Notice that nothing impure will enter heaven. There's no sin in heaven, no longer Will you be drawn to sin or tempted to sin or distracted by sin? It's just us and God with Jesus at the center and everything makes 
sense to us, and we see his face, and we see him face to face, and we worship him, worship him, worship him. I thought you guys would be a little more happy about these things. This is the happily ever after. This is the happily ever after. Man, maybe second service will be a little more alive than you guys were. I hope so. So what do we do? What do we do until the happily ever after? That's where we'll finish, and the worship team can come. What do we do until the happily ever after? Well, we live right now with the mindset that we are living in the former things. Remember, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things or the former things have passed away. It's an incredible way to live, and I challenge you to live that way this week. Number two, what do we do until the happily ever after? We come to him now. We come to him now. Revelation ends like this in verse um, uh, 17. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come. Notice it's a free gift. Remember earlier it said it doesn't cost us anything. What costs us nothing cost him everything. Cost him everything. And he's saying to us now, Come, this is the way that Revelation ends, the book of Revelation ends. Come, stop playing games with God and come on. Stop playing games with the church and come on. Let him wash your robe clean now. Come on. It's the free gift of water that he's offering to you. It's life. Come on now. It says the spirit and the bride say come. The Holy Spirit says come. The, the, the church says come. The pastor who stands on behalf of the church says come. Like come on, come on. What's keeping you from coming? The, the time is short. Man, if you're not paying attention to the stuff going on in Israel right now, you better pay attention. The time is short. The time is short. Come on. Verse 20 says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And that's how the book ends. Amen. And that's the happily ever after. So come on. All of this for one reason. To urge you, stop playing games. And come on. Come on. The Spirit says come. The bride says come. So come. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. That what costs us nothing, the 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 free gift of life costs you everything. The water that satisfies is you and it costs you everything. And it's offered to us at no cost. All we have to do is come. Come on. Lord, we look forward to this happily ever after because we have come, because we have surrendered to you, because we have given our life to you. We've allowed you to wash our robe clean. And so we have this to look forward to, that we have a new home. 
that our hope will be complete, that you'll wipe the tears from our eyes, and that we'll worship you with the nations inside the gates forever and ever and ever. Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life, come. Come on. What holds you back today? Give your life to him today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. And if that's you and you're ready to come, you just tell him, say, Lord, I believe in you. I'm thirsty. I'm weak. I'm beat down. I'm dirty. I need you to wash me clean because I want this to be my happily ever after. So I give my life to you right now, and I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the dead. And I want to live for you and serve you the rest of my life. For others, maybe God's revealed something in your life that you need to stop playing games with and you need to put it out of your life. Put it out of your life. Stop playing games and walk with Him. Let your life on this earth be just a shadow of what heaven will be like one day. For those of you that are hurting, your hearts have been broken. Would you come? Because he'll wipe those tears from your eyes. One day it'll be done. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Crossroads Community Church. If this message was meaningful to your life, please let us know by sending an email to office at crossroads.cc. You can also watch our services live every Sunday at 9.30 and 11 a.m. or visit our campus in Yorktown, Virginia. If you would like to connect with us, fill out our Connect card by the link in our podcast description. We hope you have a blessed week, and we can't wait for you to listen again soon.